Welcome back to the Anglo-Omani Society podcast, where today we welcome Masood Al-Rawahi, who is the founder and executive director at Phase Row, a software development and digital consulting company that aims to develop Oman's digital talent and tech environment. Masood is also a co-founder and managing partner of Phase Ventures, an Omani venture capital firm and innovation platform. Masood has worked and studied internationally, and his current position involves partnering with private and public entities across Oman to promote digital innovation. In this podcast, we will speak with him about his background and about his transition into entrepreneurship, the challenges facing modern tech environments, and Oman's possible future developments. Hi, Masood. It's really great to have you on the Anglo Mining Society podcast, and I'm really excited to be speaking with you today, and I hope you are as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great pleasure. I'd like to begin, actually, just by asking you to trace for our listeners your background, where educationally your background is and also professionally before your current position. Yeah, um, I actually studied at the University of uh, Toronto, uh, or as they say, Toronto. <laughs> uh, I did information systems um, in my undergrad, and I loved it so much that I double-dipped, came back to do my master's in information systems with uh, a minor in health informatics. And as for my uh, professional background, I mean, shortly after I graduated, I went to the mid-Atlantic region in the United States, so kind of Washington, D.C., Northern Virginia. Uh, I worked at an insurance firm for a little while, helped stand up their uh, IT department at the time. And then I uh, did some work at a, a not-for-profit called Diplomacy Matters. I also helped stand up their IT department. And then shortly after that, I came back to, to Muscat and I, I started my, let's say, true career at PDO. Um, in the IT department there as well. Um, and I had a few uh, stints across the various functions, including knowledge management, information management. And then after that, I, uh, I landed into the wonderful world of entrepreneurship. So would you say that it wasn't, was it always your plan to go into entrepreneurship or had, had that just come about naturally? Um, it, was, it was never a particular plan per se. I, I did always have entrepreneurial um, like uh, endeavors, <laughs> shall we say, uh, but nothing, nothing serious. And it was never really in, in my plan. And just the sort of the opportunity presented itself. And it was just too, uh, too alluring to, to, to not go for it. And so when, do you th- when would you say you made the switch between uh, your sort of previous work and going into entrepreneurship? And did you transition straight into uh, phase ventures? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was yeah, very, you know, relatively shortly after uh, sort of my, my professional career in the, in the, let's say, call it a traditional sense, um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, rolled up my sleeves and uh, co-founded Face Ventures with uh, with my partners, Mohammed and Abdullah. Um, yeah. And we, we actually did a previous podcast about Face Ventures um, with Mohammed Al-Wahabi and without obviously spending too much time because we want to focus on Face uh, Row, but... Could you just give an outline for some of our listeners who have not heard of Phase Ventures? What was it about and what was its inspiration in starting it? Yeah, Phase Ventures was sort of born at a time of, um, let's say, challenge. It was the first major oil slump, at least in, in, in my uh, recollection, and I think the same for my founders. We noticed that, you know, this is sort of a, a mega trend in the sort of extractive industries where there's a, a relative uh, decline, I think, kind of arguably hit uh, peak demand, uh, depends on who you talk to. But it was kind of just a realization moment for us at that point. And we thought, well, what can we do to help our man diversify its economy and sort of try creating a new paradigm where kind of our youth could have a platform to create their own opportunities. And that therein was the inspiration 
to create uh, a tech ecosystem, or at least you know, put a dent in the creation of a tech ecosystem. And we thought that uh, leveraging our skill sets and our network, maybe the best way to do that would be to create our men's first uh, venture capital firm. And I noticed uh, some of your fellow co-founders attended the University of Toronto. So had you a long relationship with them before starting Phase Ventures? Uh, indeed, uh, they are effectively my childhood best friends. So it's awesome. It's it's amazing to go to work every day. <laughs> it's good to hang out with your best friends. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and and in fact, yeah, Abdullah and I went to University of Toronto together. Uh, which, which was great. Although we were on different campuses, we definitely did spend a lot of weekends together, uh, you know, brainstorming ideas. And uh, although we never spoke directly about this, you know, thinking back, I'm sure I could, I could definitely say that the seeds for this uh, venture were germinated back then. That's amazing. It's, I, I guess also one of the things maybe that's useful to talk about since we've had the earlier podcast and now we have this one is what do you think have been the main achievements for phase ventures and and the time that has elapsed, what do you think have been its main areas of progress? Um, so, so beyond the time that that you spoke to Mohammed, I guess would be the, the the time reference. Yeah, I would say, well, for, for the sort of the tangible, you know, you know, not not everything that counts can be counted, but <laughs> the, the very tangible, I would say, successes uh, would be the two up rounds of their portfolio companies. Uh, one being Emotiv. And of course, the, the, the individual successes that they had, and then as well, uh, up round uh, for, for Phasero as well. Um, yeah, those are, I would say probably among the more notable ones. There are a few other smaller ones like uh, the launch of Cohort 3 for our accelerator program, the Spark Labs Energy Accelerator program, which I, I believe you may have uh, spoken to Mohammed about. Well, you mentioned Phase Row, and I guess that's the main thing that I'd like to talk to you about is 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 the company. I think, am I right in saying that you were the founder of Phase Row, and that it, in some way it, it came from your work at Phase Ventures? Yeah, so uh, that, that's correct. So, so I am a founder at Phase Row, and yeah, so so really, kind of at least for, from my perspective, the genesis of Phase Row came off back of some challenges that we'd experienced uh, at Phase Ventures. These were kind of known. We, we already always had this uh, knowledge that um, there's a bit of a dearth in tech talents uh, locally uh, and regionally, and, and quite frankly, globally, but we felt it was a little bit more pronounced here. Um, but then when we started to kind of go along and mature this journey at, at Phase Ventures and invest in startups and, and meet up and coming entrepreneurs, one key challenge that became very clear to us was their their inability to hire or put together you know a high performing tech team at least not not locally and this was a, a running theme and it was actually over time seeming to get more pronounced and so with that you know we did some some digging some research uh not making any assumptions and, and it started to become clear that there's a little bit of a structural problem or i won't say a problem but, but a challenge um that has resulted in sort of this dearth Notwithstanding the common challenges, which is just basically the demand is outstripping the supply. Uh, but the question then becomes, how do you accelerate, let's say, quote unquote, the supply of that tech talent? And can it be done at scale? Can it be done commercially and sustainably? Those are the questions we asked. And we believe the answer is yes. And then Phase Row was born. And so what do you think are the main things that Phase Row uh, aims towards? What were some of the the challenges that you you saw and identified and how do you aim at uh, addressing them i mean fundamentally the the key challenge um 
that we saw was the lack of a sort of a cluster of really high performing uh, tech talent that could take the very ambitious uh, product roadmaps of our portfolio companies and other other companies as well uh, to, to actually take it forward. So we saw that that dearth was was actually currently a bottleneck and would continue to be a bottleneck. Um, and so our motivation was, okay, can we can we address this in some meaningful way? And, and so how does phase row try and address the dearth? Yeah, so um, it's, it's relatively simple what we do. Uh, effectively, what we do is we, we kind of break down the organization to, let's say, three core functions. So the first of which would be, you know, talent scouting. So we look for high potential talent. And we do this through a series of automated tests, you know, rigorous interviews in terms of the screening. And then in terms of the sourcing, we partner with universities such as SKU, GU Tech. Uh, we even work abroad. So we work with the cultural attaches in the, in the UK and the United States to build a pretty healthy pipeline of high potential individuals. And then once we're confident that we have the right people, um, we then go through the second phase, which is the learning and development. And it's not your typical kind of classroom style uh, learning development, we just kind of trial by fire, <laughs> kind of like <laughs> bring them in, get them working on real projects, but with the support of more senior, both local engineers, but also international engineers. So we bring on engineers from our network, uh, you know, that, you know, from Facebook, from GitHub, you know, one of my advisors is, is from Google. And so they, they basically work with real teams on real projects, but guide us for some really, really high performing uh, engineers so they can get a sense of what look good looks like. Really, the kind of the, the idea here is, well, my belief is part of the reason why uh, we're having this challenge is that, um, you know, you really cannot be what you cannot see. And really, that's what it comes down to. A lot of it is mindset. Um, you know, it's kind of like the four minutes uh, mile. Like it was thought impossible until somebody did it, and now it's it's, it's quite common. Um, and so that was the idea: is to bring in those guys to show, you know, what the world class standard looks like, and actually to break it down. It's really not that difficult. Of course, it requires a lot of effort, but if you do it like this, you can achieve outstanding results. And then the final piece of it is deployment. So actually having these these, these talents sort of actually autonomously working at at least a regional class standard, if not in the near future, the world class standard. Oh, and do you find has there been any great response from from the talent that you've you've worked with? Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of them are, are can be kind of surprised by how much they're able to to handle when given the right guidance. Um, you know, some of them kind of uh, are so uh, in the woods uh, when they're kind of developing themselves that they don't even take a step back to look at how much they've achieved. And I had one person talk to me. Um, not too long ago, and just like, you know, I actually scared myself when I actually took a step back and look at the responsibilities that I've been given, <laughs> but it's going well, which is also pretty crazy. Um, so, I, you know, I guess that's uh, <laughs> one, one, one testimonial to be proud of, I suppose. Oh, that, I mean, it really sounds amazing. And it's, that feeling must be very rewarding to hear that. Absolutely. Because at the end of the day, you know, when I, when I say it in bold letters, uh, if you go to our website, um, we say that we build engineering teams. So our product is, is really them, is the talents, is, is the product. I mean, I, and I think it's also, it's clear from, from the, your website and what you've been saying that you're really passionate about the, the, the people, not just the work. And it's, I think that really comes across. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. You used the phrase I wanted to ask you about. Um, I think you said, a national champion that you were trying to consolidate software development 
development under this idea of a national champion. What do you mean by yeah. that? Really, the idea is to create sort of a beacon. So, you know, we, we don't think that we can, quote unquote, solve the, the tech talent shortage alone, right? That That's, I think, a little bit... Um, I wouldn't even say ambitious. I think I would say that's sort of a little bit foolish <laughs> to think that. But the idea here, again, similar to the four-minute mile that we kind of just discussed, is like, can you do it on a company scale? And we actually have this company producing really, really high-quality software uh, at a good velocity uh, and do it at a at at least a regional standard, in, inshallah, in the near future, at a world-class standard. And again, hopefully, we'll have other you know teams look at us locally and say, hey, oh, these guys were able to do it. Why can't we do it? And so that, that's kind of the idea here is that we want to kind of lead this effort, um, you know, set the standards, set the bar. And yeah, and we hope that, you know, many other uh, teams um, get uh, get inspired and, and sort of and follow suit. And it, it seems that you work with a lot of clients um, across Oman and across so many different fields. And I mean, some of them I saw online, for instance, Uredu, the UK Oman Digital Hub, uh, Oman State Council and, and PDO. What do you find um, is the work like when you adapt to all these different clients in these different uh, sectors? Yeah, um, I mean, first of all, um, one of the things I'll say is like in, in the way that not just that we work, but in the way that we think the modern sort of software development happens, it's fundamentally a partnership. So even the sort of client vendor relationship model, I think kind of really breaks down, particularly when you're doing highly complex, you know, high value projects, which are the type of projects that we like to go after. I like to call our clients like client partners. So the line sort of gets blurred between, you know, who's a client and who's a partner, because really the development happens hand in hand. We can't deliver the value without them and, and, and vice versa. Um, so I just wanted to, <laughs> to articulate uh, articulate that point. Um, but having said that, you know, some, some of these names that you just highlighted, some of them are kind of the bigger picture that, that we're looking at. So, for example, you know, you had mentioned the, the Oman State Council. You know, we didn't deliver any software for them, but we did have sort of engagements. They had called us in from the uh, Technology and Innovation um, Committee to kind of pick our brains about what are some of the challenges that we're facing and, you know, what are our recommendations? And, you know, we carve out time for that because our ultimate mission is to sort of catalyze the technology ecosystem. Uh, and the same thing with the UK Oman Digital Hub. Um, you know, we work very closely with them. Uh, again, largely not, not on a commercial basis, but it, it's, again, it's, it's a conduit for us to sort of magnify our impact. We think they're really good partners they're, where we can lend a hand and they can sort of, um, they can sort of, uh, let's see, act as a force multiplier because, you know, they, they're, our missions are, are very similar and we kind of really believe like um, instead of uh, working sort of disparately, we can work hand in hand and kind of, you know, one plus one equals five kind of thing. And then, you know, <laughs> the other two that you had highlighted uh, is, is Redu. And that's sort of more, let's say, more traditional client base. And the same thing uh, with, with PDO, we see them again both as a, as a, as a, as a client partner. I think it's really interesting what you were saying about your work with, for instance, the Oman State Council and sort of looking at the, the bigger picture and the societal motivation that you have. And I was, I, I wanted to ask you, what do you view um, Oman's current landscape for in digital development and um, technology-based skills? What, how do you see Oman right now? Honestly, I think it's, um, it's at a, a relative inflection point, I think. 
that that just might be the optimist in me talking, but I really do believe that. Hence, you know, dedicating a lot of time and resources <laughs> towards that. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing this. I do think it's still relatively nascent in terms of actualizing the value. But I, I, I do think there's there is definitely a mindset shift that's happening quite rapidly. Um, and I think from like a technology infrastructure perspective, you know, I, I think for the most part, uh, a lot of the infrastructure is laid. There are some key challenges uh, here and there, but but you know, there's challenges everywhere. And I think right now, really, the the way we unlock this value of all of the infrastructure investments that we've made is is really to kind of invest in our talent and sort of to develop the applications that sit on top of this infrastructure. So I would say, you know, once as we're starting to crack this nut of producing, quote unquote, producing high performing tech talents, uh, we will start to see more and more sort of very interesting innovations come, come out of this space. Of course, it's not that's not the only challenge. It's, it's an ecosystem, as I highlighted. But all of these things, I think, as a, like a gestalt are coming together. And, and I do think that we're kind of at, a, at an inflection point. And hopefully if we have a follow up conversation in, in two to three maximum five years, uh, I think the ecosystem will look very, very different. Well, I, I hope we do have a follow up conversation. If you, and I think it's really interesting, like you said, Oman, in a way, is an inflection point in many ways. And a lot of the work that you do promotes this. And do you think there are other parts of Oman society or either governmental or educational that play a part in this? And what do you think their roles in trying to make the best use of the capacity and potential Oman has in this field? Yeah, I mean, as I mentioned, you know, really, this is a kind of an ecosystem play to, to realize kind of our, our shared ambitions. And I think the, the government, I think they're doing a great effort into one, again, setting the tone. I think it was uh, very clear in His Majesty's Vision 2040 what the priorities are. Uh, I think that's kind of where it starts. And then we're, we're actually seeing now sort of the government sort of laying the groundwork from a regulatory perspective uh, to make it easier, hopefully, to, to kind of start to start businesses. Uh, we're also seeing like a huge effort from, from you know, the MO. CIT, I believe. I was in fact just there this morning and we were kind of talking about simplifying and, and making very clear certain regulations uh, because actually what, what I see in this space, we have a lot of the hardware, a lot of the hard infrastructure is in place. Uh, a lot of it is actually due to uh, public sector spending, which is super important. And then also now I think some of the challenges or, or sort of the, the things that the government is doing now to enable the sector is, is sort of just clarifying and really making clear some of the regulatory frameworks. There are already existing, but I think we just need to get a little bit clearer to provide confidence for young startups to kind of say, okay, I fully understand, you know, what's inbounds and what's out of bounds and i'm willing to take kind of the sleep of faith and then you know sort of like from the education perspective as well um i see that there's a lot of recognition that beyond sort of like let's say the the kind of the, the road learning we really need to be thinking about embedding and infusing critical thinking skills because you know that's really what it comes down to it's not really about um teaching you know python or teaching c plus plus that they can come later really those are you know, if you have if you have a good critical thinking skills, if you have good problem solving skills, good communication skills, you know, you you could learn that effectively by yourself, at least the foundations of it, and then you know, sort of like self improve uh, as you're in a work environment like ours. So yeah, so th those are kind of some of the things that I think uh, other players can can have a role in sort of helping us realize this grand vision of ours. 
No, that, that makes a lot of sense and it actually sounds very hopeful and it really, I think it's clear that Oman has the capacity and ability to make the best use of this. How has COVID um, affected the work that you do in the sector? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's often asked, but in your case, have you noticed yeah. anything? Yeah, in our case, I mean, uh, fortunately for us, it, it's actually been a boom. And, and you know, on two fronts, I think for, from a demand perspective, of course, we've seen a huge uptick in demand. Uh, but also, I think it, it, it really forced us to make sure that we got our internal organization, you know, working well, such that people can truly work remotely um, and, and sort of not have a drop in quality or velocity. And, um, you know, to be clear, it, it wasn't like this super seamless shift. It was a bit of a, <laughs> a little bit of a, a disruption initially, but we figured it out a few months ago. And um, in fact, what we've seen is productivity has also gone up. I mean, that's, that's really good news, especially when you hear some companies struggle with the, the COVID, but to hear that it's a boon, it's refreshing and nice. So what do you think are the biggest challenges, either tech startups or even just startups in general? Uh, what are the biggest challenges they face in Oman today, do you think? There are a few, I would say one of which, you know, again, looking at high-tech entrepreneurship specifically, I would yeah. kind of go back to uh, <laughs> sounding a bit like a broken record here, but but sourcing talent. And, and again, I, I need to be very clear, this is not just a challenge in our mind. It's, it's a global challenge, yeah, it's a, yeah. a little bit more pronounced here. Uh, but um, another is around sort of sourcing funding, particularly for the very early stage. You know, there are only a few sources of funding and, and very quickly they get exhausted. Um, uh, locally, at least, and so that that can be one of the the, the key challenges um, that they they have. And another would be uh, the regulatory framework, though I understand that is rapidly changing. That would uh, enable them to to attract investments both locally and and and, and namely internationally. Those I would say that that's another challenge that they face. Yeah, and and you know generally the stuff is hard right <laughs> so i think I, I think entrepreneurship you know in and of itself is <laughs> is a challenge uh but there are a few areas that i think you know if we improve in the ecosystem such as the ones i've mentioned i think um you know on the whole we'll start to see uh, a higher velocity of successful startups i hope that's the case and, and uh, i think your phrase again inflection point was perfect and speaking of the future i just wanted to ask for phase row specifically, what, what do you see, maybe when we speak again in two, three or five years, what do you hope phase row to have achieved and to have accomplished in that time? Just kind of broadly speaking, you know, I really hope at that point we have sort of a good uh, cohort of <laughs> rock star, you know, engineers <laughs> that, that sort of the younger generation kind of look up to, right, and aspire to be, you know, that, that's kind of, let's say, on the, on the softer targets. But um, on, the, on the sort of more objective, harder targets, uh, I would like to see us be sort of multinational. That's something we're working towards this year alone. Uh, and hopefully not just in two geographies, but maybe, you know, a few more than that. And then, you know, again, on a harder uh, objective, uh, we're also looking now uh, sort of move away or sort of invest more, let's say, in, in our SaaS business, uh, actually developing product uh, so that we can magnify our impact. And I guess also, what do you see for the future of Oman's um, tech field? And yeah, what do you see generally for Oman's future in those years? I mean, I, I think, you know, the conditions are ripe here for us to kind of be a, a tech hub in general uh, for the region and, and in particular in, in software development, because, 
one thing I like about uh, software is, you know, the overheads, you know, the capital expenditure you need to get it off the ground is really minimal, right? It's just, you know, a laptop and a lot of coffee, right? <laughs> um, and so I, I think, I think really just comes down to having the right incentives and the right framework. Uh, and I think we have a, 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 a large cohort of young, ambitious, uh, highly educated with full high potential um, that we just need to unlock. And, and, and I think, you know, given our kind of geopolitical advantage, you know, being a strategically placed as kind of, let's say, uh, Switzerland of the Gulf, I think that just, you know, makes us even more of a reason to be a hub, you know, when it comes to, 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 to software talent, right? And I think, you know, by, by having that, I think then it starts to, you know, it, it's, it's probably one of the hardest pieces of, of the, the, the ecosystem is, is having like a, a good, a good sort of critical mass of, of high performing tech talent. And then, you know, you layer that on top of uh, a good sort of regulatory framework. And, and now you have really smart people creating value and having that capital chase that value, uh, which means they create more value and hopefully more capital chases it. And you create that sort of flywheel effect. I guess, I guess for those sort of who are, um, engineers in the making or budding software engineers, uh, budding data scientists, cybersecurity specialists, interaction designers, which we need a, a ton of them, um, you know, definitely kind of follow us. <laughs> uh, follow us on Twitter, phaser underscore om or phaser.ro and, and drop us a line. We're, uh, stay tuned. We will be launching our first official internship program um, over the coming, uh, over the coming weeks. Um, and, and we're also hoping to have uh, our first community event over the next month. So, so stay tuned. Um, and, and, and quite frankly, you know, if, if you just want to have a chat, uh, about kind of your, your next steps in this space, uh, particularly those who are currently still in university, always feel free to reach out. Uh, we're extremely busy, so we might take a little bit of time to turn around, but we promise we will get back to you. Oh, that's amazing. I mean, I hope we can share this on as many platforms as we can and really get people to, to see your company and really I visit the website and read everything on it because I think I really think Phase Rose is doing amazing work in Oman. So I second what you said then. <laughs> Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us. And hopefully we get to do another podcast in the future at some point. Thank you very much. Thank you for the opportunity. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and found it super informative and exciting for Oman's tech future. We look forward to welcoming you next week.